Welcome back to Star Wars Meanderings and Ramblings. It's been a while, everyone, and I'm, I'm, you know, busy. Really, that's what it is. I recorded the last one on Star Wars Day, and then since then, it's been end of school. My daughter got pneumonia. Um, what else happened? It's been summer camps and just craziness. I, I have started a new business, which is really exciting. If anyone wants to check it out, it's called Corporate to Contract, the number two. And it's basically, I am coaching. I'm a career coach and I'm coaching women to start a freelance business, how to start one, giving them a framework in order to get paid what they're worth. And if you already have a freelance business, I've also been helping those kinds of women who want to grow their business and get paid more. And how do you do that? How do you pitch clients? How do you create a pricing strategy that works? And it's been really, really fun. I've had, um, you know, some group coaching, a beta group coaching I've been doing. I've been working with a business coach. I've just been restructuring everything and creating a course as well. So it's it's been fun, <laughs> but it's been a lot. It's been a lot. And I'm trying to pack as much into the summer as possible while still running my VA business and being a wife and a mom, all that good stuff. Uh, so it's it's been busy to say the least. But anyway, onto Star Wars. I mean, you don't care about my life, do you? I don't know. Do you? No idea. Um, <laughs> So yeah, welcome back to Star Wars Meanderings and Ramblings. We've got um, a fun episode, I think, today. It's something I've been mulling over for a while. If you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Virtually Curie. That's my business account or at The Virtual Jedi. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn, Curie Mohan. That's where I'm most active. I post Star Wars quotes there once a week at least and on my um, Virtually Curie Instagram too. And I relate it back to business and it's really fun and great. So yeah, the topic today, I have been mulling about and thinking about the character development of Padme, Leia, and Rey over the Skywalker saga and how each character developed as they're the main female characters. So again, like what I what I was kind of looking at is over episode one, two, and three, how does Padme develop as a character? Episodes four, five, and six, how does Leia develop Seven, eight, nine. How does Ray develop? So, uh, yes, Leia's in seven, eight, nine, but she's not the main female character. So, I, I have didn't really think of that character development as much. I thought it would be interesting to tie this back to um, how movies were portraying women in those kind of time periods of like late seventies, early eighties, and then into the nineties and early two thousands, and then into the two thousand tens, and I didn't get very far with that because either the the research I was finding was very basic and and covered pop movies, which um obviously Star Wars is a pop culture movie, but it's also science fiction. So it, oh, eh. see, that's like loosely too. It's like you know a soap opera in space or whatever. So it's it was not falling under the umbrellas of what I was finding online. About like, for instance, I found like 1980s, the women were very into the women were portrayed as like the working mom who's like this strong, powerful career woman. But then they have a baby and they need to figure out what to do and their life and how to balance it all. And, you know, so it's like stuff like that, which doesn't completely apply to Star Wars. Or I was finding these super in-depth research on one or two movies or three movies in this specific time period. And so I, I ended up giving up on that. 
I was hoping to come with more research on that, but I'm not a film buff. So this is just going to be my own meanderings and ramblings. So let's start with Padme, right? So Padme in episode one is comes off as a very strong leader, right? She is queen of Naboo. She's 14 years old. Honestly, I don't know if I trust a 14-year-old with ruling my planet, but hey, you know what? That's their system, and she was elected. Good for her. She had to deal with this blockade of the Trade Federation. She had to deal with politics. She had to escape and go to Coruscant. Overall, Padme's really strong in this movie. Like, you see her not only fighting, you see her ruling, you see her governing, you see her you know, using the decoy for her protection and you get to see more of who she actually is, right? Like when she's the handmaiden on Tatooine and she, you get to see her personality and it's, it's wonderful. I think the Padme of episode one, the Phantom Menace is my favorite Padme. I loved her when I was um, in seventh grade. I think when I really was in love with Star Wars, seventh and eighth grade, and I would feel weak or I would be angry and I didn't know how to control my emotions or I'd be hurt, I would channel not only the Jedi, as people have heard me talk about, but um, Padme. And I would, I mean, specifically Queen Amidala, her stony face, her rigid composure, and the way she just didn't let things shake her. And I admired that so much. I mean, even, even looking at... Um, her on Tatooine and getting upset with Qui-Gon and betting on the pod racing and all of that, you know, she's able to keep her composure very well. That's a lot of good training, she said. I think I should sign my daughter up for that kind of training, honestly. <laughs> or maybe I should sign myself up because I still get so angry. Sometimes I, I, I lose it, which I mean, I guess is healthy in some ways to not keep your emotions um, to make sure that they're in check and not going haywire. But I I would say she's got the strongest and to me the most appealing character development. And I would say she was up there as a main character. I, I mean, I think definitely we see the movie revolve on Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan because we're following them basically on their journey. But I mean, she surpasses Anakin as a main character and she is such a strong presence, right? When we go to episode two, we see Padme as the senator. She's still got that strength. Um but you really just see that in the beginning of the movie in terms of like the political strength and the um, internal strength, I feel almost. As the movie progresses, we see her to the softer side that's like a friend and lover. And you'll hear, hear me talking a lot about this softer side because I think Lucas and spe specifically in the first two trilogies really likes to portray women as getting softer. You know, he starts them strong and battle-hearted and then turns them softer. And that was one thing I really noticed about their character development. Um, so we see her become, quote-unquote, softer. She turns into this friend to Anakin. She turns into a lover to Anakin. And you see this side of her that is that is not unshakable anymore. She's, she crumbles a little bit. She That strength that she has falters around Anakin. Of course, we see her at the end in Geonosis. She kicks some butt again, and she's able to handle her own, some of it, which I think might be unbelievable. So she still, though, has that strength, um, but she does need to rely on Anakin a little bit more towards the end. By the third movie, and I know this upsets a few fans, and it, it upsets me too, she seems a little bit untethered. She seems a little lost. She doesn't seem as strong as she seemed before. Um, 
you know what, I hate using that word strong. Maybe I should say internally has this internal reserve that is fortified. It doesn't seem like that as much in episode three. And I always get really frustrated thinking about episode three Padme because if you've watched the deleted scenes and if you haven't, you should, there's this whole side story of Padme and her building the basically the beginning of the rebellion with Mon Mothma and Bail Organa. And it's fascinating. And you see like, it adds a facet to her character. Like she's hiding things from Anakin. She's doing things on her own and creating a future that she knows he might not be part of. And as someone who's in a marriage, it's, that's a tough decision. And that shows strength and that you can't even imagine to do what is right when your spouse might completely think that's wrong. And yet you still love your spouse. And those difficult conversations she has with Anakin where he's just being so set in his ways and you can see she's just trying to communicate to him and trying to get through to him like, what if the Republic we knew no longer exists? And he's just so bullheaded and like, you know, that that scene at the end, like, Anakin, you're breaking my heart. You're going down a path I cannot follow. All of this is just so real and raw and we don't give Lucas enough credit to showing how she's collapsing into herself and into who she is and just the pain of this relationship that's falling apart and that you don't recognize that person anymore and it breaks my heart because you a lot of people complain about her character development and in episode three especially her death like she dies of a broken heart what are you talking about like is that even possible seriously and there was like this whole reason for it that they gave him one of the Star Wars insiders, which I didn't completely agree with. And and it was kind of lame. I'm totally going to admit to that too. Yes, that her death was lame. Ignoring that, um, I guess we can't ignore it because it's part of her character development. So it just seems she becomes like more and more lost, more and more drifting away from who she is as a person and her strength. And we, there's so many other factors. I mean, like it's not just Anakin. It's this, it's, her sense of being and her sense of worth and her identity is so wrapped up in politics that to see it crumble leaves her in a place of like, what do I do? I don't have my husband. I don't agree with my husband. I don't, I've lost that connection with him. I'm, I'm pregnant with twins or she, you know, she has twins. I, how is that possible? I don't know, but whatever. She's pregnant and the Republic and everything that she wrapped her life around is falling apart. Maybe Padme wouldn't have been able to survive really in, in the empire. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting concept and something I can relate to very much. So I wrap my identity so much in my business and my work. If it crumbled, if it was just falling apart and I didn't know what to do, like, and and it kind of did. So in COVID, when COVID first hit, my business was losing clients and I was losing money and I was trying to work out discounts to keep clients. And on top of that, I had damaged my knee incredibly badly. I couldn't walk. I couldn't go to the doctors because it was shut. They just kind of left me there. And I, I remember my sense of identity being lost and just feeling like I don't know how to get up in the morning. I don't know how to do what I do. And I don't know if my business is going to survive. I don't know. Like usually I work out when I'm really upset. I work out and I get positive. I think of ideas and I come go into the next few hours, like ready to rumble. Right. But I couldn't work out. 
my business was falling apart. You couldn't go anywhere, right? Because it was everything was locked down and it was just hard. And like, so I feel like Padme is like that on a bigger level in, in episode three. And gosh, it just, mm, I like feel for her. So I like, I do love Padme in episode one, Queen Amidala the best, but there's, I, I like her also a lot in episode three. And I think there's a lot of things I can relate to. There's a lot of like woman, female relatability there, or just like that, that aching and that yearniness. I, I feel for her. So I think, I think overall Padme, in my opinion, like I love episode one Padme best followed by episode three, followed by episode two. So looking at Leia, Leia, I think, is out of all the characters in the the female characters in the trilogies, the most consistent. So when we meet Leia in episode four, A New Hope, she's a strong woman. She's a leader and she doesn't take SHIT from anyone, right? She she goes and she does what she wants. She's sarcastic. But there's also moments where you see her as this empathetic leader and this person that, you know, when she puts that little blanket around Luke and, she, you know, talks about Obi-Wan and he's like, I can't believe he's gone. And she, you see that moment of tenderness within her and she's very kind to him. And then also when Luke's upset about Han and Han not sticking around to help the rebellion, she's, you know, he's got to follow in his own path. So I feel like she's she's a creature that was a creature, a person that was made from her circumstances. She's grown up fighting the empire. She is a strong, see again, this word of strength that I'm, I'm trying to get away from. So let me, let me say why. So there's this article out there that I've always resonated with. And it was, came out around the time that um, Hunger Games came out. She talked about how people have gotten, Hollywood has gotten female characters wrong. They are trying to create this strong female character when instead of carrying creating a female character who is strong. Um, so they are looking at these like, you know, hardened, like sassy, really strong physical woman characters instead of making them a character first and then adding in this the strength and resilience of a human being. So if I remember, I will link that in the show notes if I can find it. I don't know if I can find it. So no promises, but I will try to put that in there. And that's why I always try to stay away from like strong because that's not a good way to describe any kind of character. Do you mean physical? Do you mean physical is obvious, but when you say strong for internal, what does that really mean? Right. So anyway, she's got the resilience and the leadership in a new hope that I really admire, but sprinkled with this empathetic Leia, which I think is, is relatable. Um, and in Empire Strikes Back, she's again, this leader. I mean, and she's again, sarcastic. And that always bothered me. It seemed like a lot of, book writers do this they fall into the trap of making a female character that they want to make them seem like they are independent and don't need anyone and they are women and independent and we don't need a man great i love it we should see more of that but then they make them really sarcastic they make them really biting they have these sassy one-liners and that always frustrates me in the books. And that's what I think we see a lot of in Leia. And I don't know if it was that time period. And again, this is why I was trying to do more research on this. Like what, what did female characters look like? Was this a common thing in the seventies and eighties where women who were quote unquote strong or independent were also sassy and, you know, sarcastic and kept everyone at arm's length. Um, so that, that has always frustrated me with Leia. So anyway, I, you know, 
you see Leia in the beginning of Empire Strikes Back with that kind of mold around her. But then as the movie continues, you see this softening. And again, I'm going to come back to this because it seems very prevalent in the the prequels and original trilogy that Lucas liked to have his character soften a little bit. So she falls in love with Han Solo. So we see that mirror reflection in episode two with um, Padme falling in love with Anakin. And she starts letting him in a little bit and acknowledging that she might like him and that she loves him. And of course, that famous scene at the end, I love you, I know, you know, she she becomes a softer female that's not so tied to being, keeping everyone at arm's length and being sarcastic. In episode um, six, there's so much I could say about Slave Leia. Oh, my God. So I did write a blog post about it if you want to look for it. And I don't know if this is me in denial and trying to explain away what George Lucas was obviously just, a lot, you know, a lot of people are like, it was obvious he's just trying to put her in this outfit to get more sales and for the sex appeal and all that. And I, yeah, okay, I agree. I agree. Um, I think, though, what he did was very interesting. Like, he put her in this slave outfit, but it wasn't her choice. So the way he kind of snuck around those, like, trying to get her in, like, a skimpy outfit, right, was maybe like, well, it wasn't really your choice. It's not like someone walked in on her and she was getting changed or something like that, or she took off her clothes for everybody. It was like, oh, Jabba the Hutt put her as a slave, right? And, like, he kind of leads up to it with Ula, the Twi'lek, right? She's in a skimpy outfit. Everyone in his, like, harem is kind of skimpily dressed and um, even a little lapty neck person. So he... Puts that in as like, oh, well, it's just she got caught by Jabba and that's what happens. So she's in the slave outfit, not by choice. And what I actually liked about Leia in that is that she didn't cower. She didn't put herself in. She didn't bring, you know, like as a woman who if I was forced to be somewhat naked with someone, I would immediately hunch my shoulders and curl in on myself. My body language would be. Ooh, I don't want anyone looking at me, right? Because it's not my choice. You don't want to be praying around in your underwear or a slave outfit or whatever. Um, so anyway, like I, I like that she's still able to be strong there. She bears it and grits her teeth as much as possible. And I love that she kills Jabba the Hutt in this slave outfit. Like, good for her. It's like she turns it on him. She turns her outfit and the chain that she's been in, enslaved by and kills him with his own weapon, basically. Um, and I thought that was a very smart, interesting directorial move and storyline move for Princess Leia's character. So, I, I mean, like, we see her in the beginning as, you know, going to rescue Han Solo, risking her life for this, dressing up as a bounty hunter, and then being enslaved and being embarrassed and feeling probably shame and and not wanting to be in that position, but doing what she can and keeping cool and being smart about it. And then you see her transition into like the, like, um, you know, the Princess Leia, who's again, that, that character who's resilient, who's strong, but she has a little bit of a an easier, friendlier side to her, if that makes sense. And I like that character development because we see like she's snippy and sassy in episode four and then she moves to episode five. She's still got a little bit of that, you know, I I don't need you. And then it's like softens again. And then by, but what I like about episode six is that friendly camaraderie that she's built with Han and Luke. And it brings the team closer together through that and through her strength. Now, I wish more movies and more books would focus on that. And I think we're kind of heading towards that in that direction in pop culture where like a girl can be 
fun, quote unquote, right? Like fun to hang out with and can, you know, there doesn't have to be any sexual tension there all the time, even though, yes, she is in love with Han. But again, when she finds out Luke is her brother, she ends up going to Han and saying, just hold me. And I, I love seeing that, even though it's that softening that I kind of resist. Um, it was a good character development for Han as well to not give up and say, okay, you know, I, I want to stick with you through this. Whatever it is, I don't know what it is, but I will stick with you through this. Unlike we see in episode three, Anakin and Padme pulling further and further apart in that crumbling of relationship, like Leia and Han are coming closer together. So I think to recap, right, Leia starts strong. She has that independence. She has that sarcasm in episode four, which leads to a a little bit of a middle ground in Empire Strikes Back, where we've got that softening, but we still have that leadership and that strength within her. And then finally to episode six, where we find that camaraderie, but also like, you know, that she had that, that embarrassing beginning of the episode six with the slave Leia, but then she becomes strong. She becomes like that leader again, but more with like this easy camaraderie. That's, that's, I think easier to relate to. Still looking at the sequel trilogy. Um, Ray. Ray is one of my favorite characters. I, I loved her in The Force Awakens. I loved how self-sufficient she was. And if I had to describe Rey in The Force Awakens, it would be self-sufficient. She is clear in what she wants, but she's had to do everything herself. And she struggles sometimes. Right? Like Even when she leaves Jakku, she always wants to go back to Jakku. And then we see that turning point almost at Maz Kanata's, Maz Kanata's castle where she accepts that maybe she's not going back to Jakku. Maybe she has a new life. And it's this self-sufficiency of realizing... And then turning into relying on others, right? Like she goes from self, like, sorry, my phone went off, (laughs) distracted. (laughs) So she goes from, I'm doing everything myself to relying on Han Solo. And he, he takes her everywhere and figuring out what she needs to do to help the resistance. I love that, Ray. I love it. And then the turning point at the end when Hansel is killed, she realizes it's almost like she has to go back to being self-sufficient. But what does that mean? Now she has these powers. Now she has this whole world open to her. So she's going to go on and go on this adventure, another adventure, where hopefully she learns more about herself. And that's where we leave her. It's hard to say what I love about her, but she just seems so real. Um, It's hard to relate to Queen Amidala. (laughs) I'm not a politician. I'm not a queen. I'm not ruling a planet. It's hard to relate to Leia who has been enmeshed and engrossed in this warlike culture and fighting it for her whole life, fighting the empire her whole life, being brought up by people who are in the rebellion and leading the rebellion and having to build a tough outer shell. I can't relate to that. But Ray, I mean, I'm not self-sufficient, but there was just something about her that I was like, "Eh, you know what? She did the best she could with what she had. And I hope that I can say that about myself as well, right? So we move on to The Last Jedi in episode eight. And this is what I call the questioning ray. The the questioning ray that also I think spills over into the the last episode two, episode nine. But in this one, she's trying to train to be a Jedi, but Luke is resisting. And yet she's having these visions of Kylo Ren. And she's constantly questioning, just like, what am I supposed to do? Right? Like, I think I'm falling for this guy who's very evil, but I think there's good in him. And I'm trying to get trained by this Jedi master who's pretty much the only one left in the galaxy. And he's not really wanting to train me and he's kind of a d-i-c-k what do i do and through this all she has this this 
I feel like this common theme or underlying trait of just picking it up and figuring it out as she goes along, questioning, but underneath that saying, what am I going to do? I guess I'll just figure it out. I'll think. And again, maybe that's that episode seven, right? That self-sufficiency that comes through. But I would say episode eight is mostly just questioning. Like, where are my parents? Who are they? Am I supposed to be a Jedi? I think there's good in Kylo Ren. What am I supposed to do? And I think we can, I can relate to that. Just being sometimes at this point in your life where it's like, do I want to pursue this? Do I want to do this? Do I want to have another kid? I don't know if I want to have another kid. Do Is this marriage good? Is this marriage not good? Is my business doing well enough? Is my business not doing well enough? Could I do more with my life? Am I okay with where I am? Right? Like there are all these questions that go through my head. So like the episode eight, Ray, like sometimes I just, I get it. Like you want to be the best you can be. You want to be the best Jedi. You want to train to be amazing. And yet sometimes things are just not working out the way you want it to go. Finally, episode nine, Ray. Probably, I mean, I've only seen this three times, but I, I love Ray and I love her character development. So I think they, out of like the problems I have with the sequel trilogy, Ray, I didn't have any problems with. She's still a, an amazing character for me throughout the whole thing. And if, if I'll put this in the show notes, but Michael Miller wrote a great blog post on Ray and her character development. So I'll make sure to include that. Ray of episode nine is this kind of untethered Ray, I think, in the beginning. She is trying to figure out who she is. She has these powers. She wants to learn to do well with them, to do better. She's training herself without Luke being there with Leia. And but yet there's this sense of being untethered. Like I I need a direction in my life, right? And then we come to like, I think what is almost scared Ray. Like her powers are so strong and she's scared. And she doesn't know what to do and she can feel the darkness. But what does that mean? I feel like I have darkness inside of me. I am scared. I am frightened. What do I do? Right? Like it's also like the questioning, questioning, questioning Ray that is still being pulled over. So it's this untethered, scared Ray that by the end of the movie becomes confident, confident in who she is, confident on accepting the dark side and accepting the light side within her and and that's questionable. So like, there's a little issues I have with the end, the end of the movie where I think, I mean, hopefully we have a new movie coming out. Hopefully they'll show a new way of looking at the force, which is like, you can accept the dark and the light. It felt like at the end of the rise of Skywalker, they kind of pushed the dark side away again, which was such an interesting storyline from episode eight and nine with Ray that she has this darkness within her and she should accept it in order to become a whole person and a whole Jedi. That maybe is a new way for the Jedi moving forward. Anyway, I don't know, but I would say her character development in episode nine was the fastest, um, but also the the most changed, right? Untethered, scared to confident. Episode nine is like the least relatable, Ray, to me. I find that she's like, I don't know, the whole movie is just like, what's going on? It's so quick. It's so fast. And like her character, I felt like that too. It's just like, bam, 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 bam. So I felt like, out of all the movies, that was the one that felt least Ray-like to me because it was so quick in her development. Um, but again, to, like let's just look it over. Like I think the sequel trilogy, Ray starts out as self-sufficient. Then she turns into this, someone who's more questioning of everything, but with that underlying self-sufficiency. But by by episode nine, she pulls in that questioning kind of full force. She feels untethered. She feels scared. And then finally, she comes away feeling confident in who she is as a Jedi. That's what I've been mulling over for 
a few weeks and thinking about and thinking about and I there's no real purpose to it it's just that I I really wanted to see like George Lucas versus Disney which of the women are most relatable which are the ones that kind of do they reflect our culture of the times right do they reflect the late 70s early 80s and then on to um late 90s early 2000s and then these 2010 period does do these women reflect the culture of our times, which I couldn't really get to the bottom to. And I think, again, I don't know enough about film to really answer that. But I think out of everyone, like, you know, I loved episode three, Leia. Um, I liked episode, oh, sorry, episode three, Padme. I liked episode five, Leia. And I like episode seven, Ray, the best in terms of my own relatability in some way. Um, so that is it. Again, you can find me at The Virtual Jedi on Instagram or Virtually Kiri. I'm on LinkedIn, Kiri Mohan. I just do this for fun. So go to my blog, starwarsanon.wordpress.com. You can find me there too and find all my past articles that I've written on Star Wars and blog posts when I used to have time to write. And again, there's no point to this other than just to connect with other fans. So if you know of anyone who wants to chat Star Wars with me, I'd be happy to interview them and have a conversation. Until next time, may the force be with you.